Hi, and welcome to the Joyful Weight Loss Podcast. If you're tired of yo-yo dieting and want to learn how to permanently lose the weight in a way that it's simple, easy, and fun, you are in the right place because I can teach you how. I am your host, Chris Berlingeri, MD. Come on, let's go. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the podcast. How are you? I am happy to share that here in Texas, we are experiencing some beautiful upper 60s, lower 70s weather, and I couldn't be happier. This is my happy zone, weather-wise. Loving it. How are you? How is the beginning of fall where you live, if you have changing of seasons? Because I know my friends in Puerto Rico, big shout out to you guys. I know that we don't have changing of seasons. It's always tropical in the 80s and always summer over there. Um, but how are you where you live? Would love to know. Um, today I have for you a very special episode. It's an episode that I never thought I would be recording. To be honest, I've started recording this close to 10 times. And I don't know if this is the time that it's going to make it or not. <laughs> and I haven't shared this here, not because I intentionally did not want to share. It's just it never really occurred to me. I didn't think it was relevant or... I don't know. I just didn't think it it was something, um, you know, pertaining to weight loss, even though I speak about other things not related to weight loss. But the other day I was talking about this with one of my coaching friends and she's like, you should do a podcast episode on this. And I'm like, why? And like, I just don't see like, seriously. And she convinced me. So here I am. Um, I have shared here before that I'm the youngest of five. And I have two brothers and two sisters. And 14 years ago, during the summer, July, July of 2009, I, in the middle of the night, I got one of those phone calls that you're never really prepared to receive. And as you are listening to the other person on the phone talking to you, you are like in an out-of-body experience thinking this is not happening, like what is going on, like this is so surreal, like am I in a movie, what's going on, am I going to wake up from a dream, a nightmare? And to make matters a little bit more complicated, at least for me, that particular night, that particular day, my dad was visiting from Puerto Rico, so he was in Texas, and one of my sisters as well. And I had to be the one to wake up my dad at around 2 a.m. to tell him that his eldest had passed away. It's something that I really don't wish upon anybody telling your own father that his firstborn had died has had to be one of the most difficult experiences that I've lived in my life because as a mom, now back then I was not a mom, but as a mom that's kind of like the greatest nightmare um, to see one of your kids, like to outlive one of your children. So that nine... My other brother, so I have two brothers and two sisters. I'm the youngest of the five. And 
my other brother was the one who called me and told me about our eldest passing. And I told my sister who was with me and I told my dad. And then my other sister was in Puerto Rico and she, my brother had already called her. It was a very crazy night and it's kind of like a blur. And I titled this episode, How My Brother's Death Made Me More Alive, because that's exactly what I experienced once I decided to grieve his death. My brother died of suicide. And whenever a tragedy like that happens, somebody, he was 44 years old. And when something like that happens, you know, somebody dies unexpectedly at a young age, a loved one. Usually you can blame something. Um, You can blame a drunk driver that hit them. You can blame somebody that, you know, shoot them. You can blame um, a natural circumstance, a health, a health issue, natural disaster. In this case, I was so angry with my brother that that anger did not let me mourn him. And of course, it took me five years. I didn't mourn my brothers until I... I'm the type of person that anger used to be my go-to feeling, negative feeling, because for me, sadness felt so awful and I felt so vulnerable. And who likes feeling vulnerable? And I particularly, since very young, have developed this defense mechanism that I bypass sadness really quickly and my default is anger. I have been working on that. And I've been willing to feel sadness more and more. But it was not until five years later when Robin Williams passed, when those news came out, that's when it hit me. Because my brother was kind of like that. He was always in a great mood. I mean, I am was the only physician. I am the only physician in the family, and I was the only one who knew he battled with depression and anxiety, and I was the one who would sometime, sometimes run and get him samples of medications because he would abruptly stop them. So I, I had some insight into, into his illness. And even when he would be in Puerto Rico and I would be in Texas, he would call me with one of those anxiety attacks and his heart hurting, and I would just send him to the cardiovascular hospital, I would call my friends that were there in Puerto Rico, like, hey, my brother is coming. Can you please make sure like everything gets done well, evaluated? Because he was in his 40s, the like the in by then he was in his, you know, he passed away at 44. So in his early 40s, late 30s, he would have these panic episodes. Because, and, you know, that's at that age, a common cause of death for males at that age is, um, cardiac arrest so I would always worry about that but of course his heart was well and it was his mental illness that would cause those symptoms and in one of those phone calls as he kept talking to me as he was getting um, walking towards the hospital 
I'm like, have you, like, have you, do you feel anxious? Do you feel depressed? And he was like, yes, yes. And I'm like, have you ever had, have you ever had thoughts of hurting yourself? And I remember him saying, oh, well, it crosses my mind once in a while. And I just kind of like froze. And I just said, do you have a psychiatrist? Do you have a therapist? And he's like, yes. I'm like, okay, talk to him or her. I just couldn't. Of course, I'm his sister. Um, I just could not. At Back then, like, I did not have the skills to ask anything further. I just completely blocked it. I'm like, do you have... Do you have a professional dealing with this with you? Yes. Okay. Then talk to them. Um, so going back to five years after his death, when it just hit me, was because other besides his mental illness, his anxiety and his depression, which nobody really knew about, my brother was seemed like a joyful guy. He always had a sense of humor. He was always making jokes pranks so that's why when that happened to Robin Williams the same thing it just hit me it was kind of like living it all over again and I was able to finally start my grieving process with my brother because I could see it outside of me I didn't make it about me and seeing what was written about Robin Williams I could start processing my brother's death my brother was a very humble guy he grew up in Puerto Rico, middle class, went to public school, broken English, and he went to college to Texas Tech, University in Texas, called Raiders. And he studied hospitality. And long story short, he started working at one point as a general man- manager of, I think it was Taco Bell or something like that, one fast food. And he was so faithful in the little, you know, he was always a hard worker, showed up, all the things, that he quickly, just like bubbles in a soda, he quickly moved up the corporate ladder and he was flown (laughs) on on big company, you know, um, taken to the office of big corporate America. And he eventually, with his partner, owned all the PepsiCo franchises in Puerto Rico and some in South Florida. Like, we're talking about all Pizza Hut, KFC, Taco Bells in Puerto Rico. I think they had some in the Virgin Islands and then in South Florida. But despite all of that, all the the money that he made and all the, the business goals that he had achieved... He always remained very humble. Like, this is the guy that you would meet and you would never imagine. Like, he was this big guy in this corporation. And he was always, always willing to help anybody in need, particularly his employees and family members. Like, he would be the one. Like, I think he secretly paid my dad for my wedding, like behind my dad's back. Because when I got married, my dad was unemployed. So my brother took care of that. My brother would, urban legend goes that he had an employee in one of his fast foods that he was a good employee. He would show up riding a bike to work every day and he gave him a car. My brother gifted him a car. So that's the type of guy that he was. When I moved to Texas from Puerto Rico, even though my husband and I were physicians, 
I was still training. I had a salary of an intern. My husband had finished all his training, but it was 2008, the year of the recession. We were very poor. Very poor. Poor, like we would enroll ourselves in studies at the medical center and donate blood samples for Walmart gift cards. Like we were poor. So when I finished my training, I didn't have money for the medical license. So who paid for my medical license? My brother. And actually that's that's the last thing he did for me before he passed. He did that two weeks before his passing. So that's the kind of guy he was. Super humble, down to earth, amazing sense of humor. He made the best ceviche I've ever had. He loved to cook. Like he was just pretty amazing, pretty amazing guy. And his passing, you know, when when negative things, um, episodes like that, unexpected events happen to us like that, we are going to experience negative emotion. But there's negative emotion that keeps you stuck. And they're kind of like um, emotions that we ruminate in them. Kind of like questions like, why did this happen? Why he had to do that? Why did he didn't this or that? Angry. I was angry. I was angry. And there, there's negative emotion like the sadness. Like accepting what happened and saying... This happened and it sucks. This happens now. This happened now. What? That those are going to move you through the negative emotions. And at the other end, you're going to find more abundant life like I did. And my siblings did as well. And this is what I mean when I found it made me more alive. One of the things is when my brother passed away, he left us. He didn't have children. He didn't have children, and he left us, his siblings, um, up some part of his inheritance, like his money. And one of the things that I decided to do was start a foundation for underprivileged students, particularly those like were like Jorge and I, like we're pursuing either a master's or a doctorate and they didn't have money for review courses, for board, I mean, boards, medical boards, <laughs> Um, the LSATs, all these boards, they cost money. And sometimes, you know, we don't have the money. So I I created a small foundation to fund things like that, like small awards to fund board reviews, um, licenses cost, all those things. Um, so people could achieve their full academic potential. And it was a way that I could keep my brother's generosity rolling rolling and keep his memory alive by paying it forward. Before, I would just get stuck like, oh, I want to help so many people, but that I ended up helping nobody. But what if I could just do for one or two persons what I wanted to do for all the world? And after my brother's passing, I was able just to do that. I am actually recording this. I cannot believe I didn't say this in the beginning on my brother's actual birthday. Today, my brother would have been 69 years old. Um, 59, oh my gosh. 59, 59. He, he passed away when he was 44, before he turned 45. And I'm 45 years old right now, so I have actually outlived him. And he would have been today, literally today, the day I'm recording this, September 14th, he would have been 
59 years old. Um, so after his passing, I learned that made me more alive. My generosity, my giving, being intentional, not get paralyzed by, oh, I just cannot do anything for anybody. I can't do it for all the people or, or in the great way that I would like to do. But now I'm like, what? what is one thing that I can do for one person? And then just keep that ball rolling. Another way that my brother's death made me more alive is that now I don't shy away from mental illness. I don't hide in shame from it. And I'm more willing to have those kinds of conversation with loved ones, with unknown, like people that I don't know that happen to bring it up. And with my patients, I am more vocal about it. I took the suicide prevention training and I'm more vocal about it. And in order to try to make a difference there. Another way my brother's death made me more alive was with my faith. A couple of months before he died, he mentioned in passing, I, I'm going to see if one of these days I visit your church. And I took it really lightly because back then I was ashamed of my beliefs. I was not very vocal about my beliefs. And if there was something that I know could have helped my brother was a relationship with Jesus because that's he's our ultimate hope, right? He's our only hope. And now I am more intentional. I'm a out-of-the-closet Christian who's very vocal about her beliefs and who's not ashamed to offer that when, when it's well-received. Of course, I'm not going to shove it down anybody's throat, but I may offer it, and if the person is welcome to it, I now pray with my patients if they are if they welcome it. I pray for strangers if they welcome it, and I even share Bible scriptures and my faith with whoever who is willing to listen. I don't hide in shame anymore about that. Another way in which my brother's death made me more alive was in having children. When he passed away, Jorge and I really never wanted to have kids. And for some reason, that night when I got that phone call, as I was listening to my brother telling me about the death of our eldest, the very first thought that I had was, I have to have children. Very first thought. And now, as you know, I have shared this here. I have three kids. One is seven. The other one is going to be 11 next week. And my 12-year-old I decided to live my life more purposely, intentionally, consciously. Another way my brother's death made me more alive is in the pursuit of my own business endeavors, not to be paralyzed by fear, to finally, with the encouragement of my other brother, have my own cafe and my bakery. And I love it because in that way when I'm there with my employees I am just so much more intentional about in honoring my brother's memory and the example that he gave me in treating them like he would treat his employee he helped me be a better boss a better employee and not only this affected me but it affected my siblings as well after my brother's death like I told you, I decided to have kids. I'm more intentional with my giving, with my goals, with my faith. 
and with mental health awareness and suicide prevention. But my oldest sister, she decided to quit her job. She's a medical technician and finally opened her own lab in Puerto Rico, her own laboratory for patients. My other sister, and she was in her 40s. My other sister, who was in her 40s as well, she decided to quit her job and go to law school in her 40s. And then my other brother, he decided also to change his life. He bought a restaurant. And literally, I was joking with him the other day. I'm like, you lived like the retired life, but with a job that you love and enables you to do that. He's living the life that most of us wait until after 65, 70 years old to live. He's doing what he loves, goes fishing every day, something that he ignites him that he loves, he's passionate about. And yes, he owns a restaurant. He has a job. He loves it. Created the life that he wanted. So this is my invitation to you. Sometimes tragic Events like this happen to shake us. They are a gift of grace from God so we can wake up to our current lives. So we stop being paralyzed by fear of what they're going to think. What if this? What if that? No, the moment is now. The moment is now. It's never too late to pursue those dreams that you want. It's never too late to ask for help. It's never too late to tell a loved one that you love them, that they're important to you. Do you know what was the last conversation? It wasn't even a conversation. It was a voice message because he didn't respond. The last message I left from my brother was thanking him for paying for my medical license. I remember it was my first day at work. My very first day as a physician in Texas in patients. And I walked out of the office and I called him. Thank you for paying for my license because of you, of your generosity. I was able today to see patients for the first time here in Texas. It's never too late. It's never too late to help someone in need. You don't have to help the entire world. Just one person, do for one person what you would like to do for everybody. What are your talents? What are your resources? If somebody has done something for you, keep the ball rolling by paying it forward. It doesn't have to be in the same way and magnitude, but you have something. Maybe you have a talent of cooking. Maybe you have the talent of singing. Maybe God has gifted us, each one of us, with talents. Maybe you have time. Maybe you have money. What is your resources? Let's be good stewards of our resources. So that's my call for you. Start living intentionally. Because we never know. In the Bible, it says that like life, what is life? It's just, it's a breath. It's just a breath. It's nothing. It's very, um, it, it just doesn't last long. The one thing we have certain when we are born is that we're going to die one day. So the question is not if I'm going to die, because that's assured. It's how are we going to live in the time that we have here? I hope this has awakened you one way or another. 
If you have any questions, any comments, I would love to listen about them. And if you're suffering from mental illness, seek help. There's plenty of help. There is hope. And you are loved. I'll see you next time. Hey, thank you for joining me today. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a beat. Also, if this was helpful for you, share it with a friend. And also you can share it in social media. It helps get the podcast to more and more people. Also, if you want to download my free planning guide, make sure you go to my website, chrisberlingerimd.com. I would love to see you there. I'll see you later. Bye-bye.